Good morning and welcome to Faithbrook Church. I'm Chrissy Thompson, our Children and Family Director. Whether you're in person here or online, we are so glad you joined in. And um, if you're a guest, we'd especially love to welcome you and invite that you go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest, where we can connect with you and also make a donation on your behalf to Feed My Starving Children. Well, it is almost summer. We've made it through our Minnesota winter, right? Um, well, with the summer comes the cabin, lakes, RV trips, and we want to stay connected as well here at Faithbrook. So we have some really fun events throughout the summer, and you can stay in the loop on that um, by checking out our website or going to the Church Center app under the events link. Well, one of the best events of the summer is our family camp. Um, it's a wonderful opportunity for you to grow closer to God as a family, um, connect with other families, and there's so much for your kids to do for entertainment and activities. Um, so you can get more information on that, again, on our website or through the Church Center app under the events link. Well, we are going to welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we continue our series, A Journey of Grace. Well, welcome to Faithbrook this morning. I'm so happy it's Mother's Day and congratu congratulate all the mothers who are viewing us online or come this morning. You know, Mother's Day is kind of a passage into spring and spring has arrived and you're looking good. It's gonna be a great day. Be sure to pick up your little uh, gift out there before you leave, maybe take a, a photo. Well, speaking of mothers, Agatha Christie said this, a mother's love is like nothing else in all the world. It knows no law, no pity. It dares all things and crushes down relentlessly all that stands in its path. Oh, a mother's love. There's nothing like it. Now, I would argue one statement here. There's, there's nothing like it. I would say there's something more awesome, even more special than a mother's love, and all due respect, and that is God's amazing grace. God's amazing grace. Now, this month... At Faithbrook, we are discovering God's amazing grace. In fact, we're talking about a journey of grace because this is what we know, that every human being will pass through two doors. doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, everyone will pass through the door of birth. We're not sure where, when, but we all come into this world on a special day. Now, we will all pass through the second door, and that is the door of death. Sometimes it comes early, late, but we will never know when we pass through that second door. Now, in between is a journey of life. But on this journey of life, there can be a journey of God's amazing grace. Now, last week, we learned that the more we comprehend God's grace, the more amazing it becomes. And today, I want to talk to you about a portion of that journey of grace that we don't hear much about, and that is God's seeking grace, because God's seeking grace impacts every part of our life. We don't know this, but a lot of times it starts very early in our life that God's seeking grace is involved in our young life. Now, a lot of times parents will want their, their infant child to be baptized or dedicated. Uh, in our tradition, in our church, a lot of times we dedicate our infants because really the parents are dedicating themselves. We are promising God, this child, that we're going to raise you in, in a Christian home and in the influence of the Christian home. 
but also we are praying and hoping that one day this infant child will come to a personal decision that they want to receive Christ into their life. Uh, sometimes we sprinkle uh, an infant in hopes that one day they will choose their own adult baptism. Now, to be honest with you, when we moved up here 20 years ago, I, I, I was surprised on how many people would uh, contact me and say, I, I'd like to have my infant baptized. Can, do you baptize infants? And I was like, wow, there's a real big demand about infant baptism. What's up with that? Well, there's a lot of Catholics and Lutherans up here in Minnesota, and uh, that's really important. I was like, well, why is that so important? And so I talked to a Lutheran uh, minister one time and says, oh, well, in our theology, in our beliefs that those, those babies are born with original sin. I said, well, we believe that too. Every human being is kind of born with this nature that you just want to be all about to yourself. Um, and, but they said that we believe that that infant child is vulnerable to damnation if they would pass somehow, die without being baptized. I was like, really? Uh, Where do you find that? And I did some research. I was like, you know, we believe that there's a period of grace in in a child's life until they come to what we call an age of accountability. Uh, An infant doesn't never heard of original sin. They don't even know what sin is. Uh, they're, they're innocent. We would look at Jesus' words when he talked about the, the children coming unto him, for such is the kingdom of God. They, they do not know what's going on. But during this time, God's seeking grace, his amazing grace is working in their life to draw them until they come to the point where they can decide for themselves that they want Christ. Uh, I was just talking to a mother last week, and and she was excited that her five-year-old child uh, asked to have Jesus come into their life. He connected the dots. He knew enough about God's love and knew that he needed to make a decision, even as a five-year-old, to say yes. And the the heart of the mom was so warmed and so uh, loved because their little boy uh, made that decision on his own. That's kind of our tradition, because ultimately... God's amazing grace, his seeking grace, is the grace that goes before. Now, the technical word is provenient grace, a grace that is working in our life. And my friends, this is the heart and the attitude of God. We see Jesus' word in John 19 when he says, The Son of Man comes to seek and save the lost. Jesus is always seeking. He's always looking for those who are Far from a young child to an older person he's seeking. John Wesley, the founder of the West Methodist movement, and also great influence in our tribe of churches, believed this, that from birth God's grace is active in all people, seeking to draw them to him, to have an intimate relationship with him one day, and ultimately an eternal life with him. He's working, and this grace of God is working in conjunction with the Holy Spirit all around us to soften our heart, to quicken our minds, to open up our eyes that we need Christ. For a five-year-old boy, he understood that. Sometimes it's a teenager, sometimes it's an adult, but God's grace is going before us, seeking and drawing. I I love how God works. I always marvel at a young man I met, befriended, um, some years ago, and he was explaining that he grew up in the heartland of, of Kansas. 
He didn't grow much up in, in church, didn't care about church or God. He was just a drinking, carousing, athletic young man. And he graduated from high school, and he was fortunate enough to marry the local dentist's daughter. And, and there he was looking for a career. Well, he thought he'd join the, the Navy, and so they shipped him off to the East Coast. And they said, you're, you're a pretty good uh, sailor, so why don't you try being a submariner? So four years, he, he gave his, his time to our country serving in a submarine. After he got done with that, he said, well, what should we do? Well, Intel Corporation had the largest chip plant in the world in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and they would recruit these Navy, especially submariners, because they were very good uh, technicians. And so him and his wife moved to Albuquerque, and that's where we were living at this time. They started having some kids and had a nice home, settling down, and a flyer came to their house. New church was in their neighborhood. Please come. You're invited. Well, the wife said, you know, we got some young kids here. We probably need to get our kids maybe in church. Let's check out this church. And, and Sean, the, the husband, was like, I don't want to go to church. What are you kidding me? I, who needs church? I don't want to go to church. Well, she kept nagging him. Come on. And so begrudgingly, he's like, sure, let's go, right? So he goes to this church, and it's new, and it's kind of modern. He's like, oh, wow. The, the, the music was kind of hip, and the, the message was kind of relevant, and the donuts tasted pretty good. And he's like, this is not like the church I grew up in. They wasn't all stiff and religious, and, and it was pretty casual. He's like, oh, maybe. Well, would you, the wife said, would you come back again? He's like, I, I guess so. That wasn't too bad. So he kept going back with his wife and his kids, and, and pretty soon the pastor started befriending him, and, and he's like, hey, this guy's not so weird, and he's a pretty cool guy, right? And he invited Sean to go golfing with him. So periodically they'd go golfing and yucking it up and having a, a good time. And, and one day the pastor asked him on the golf course, well, where, where, where are you at with God? And Sean was, was like, well, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Well, Sean kind of knew that God was drawing him. He could tell that, that he wasn't right with God, and God loved him, but he wasn't sure if he was ready to make that commitment. And so they, they continued to uh, process and go to church, and another time they were on the golf course, and that pastor kept bugging him. Where are you at with God? And Sean's like, I hear God speaking to me. I know he's drawing to me. And that pastor said, you know, Sean, you, you can make a decision right here on the golf course to say yes to Jesus. It's by faith, through God's grace, that you can say yes and ask him to come into your life and have this new start, that he forgives your sins and a new life in him. With tears in his eyes, that big, athletic, beer-drinking father said, you know, I know he's calling me. And he said yes to Jesus right on that golf course. And it's, it started a new life, a whole new chapter in his life. My friends, this is the nature of God. This is the heart of God going before, seeking us. Peter said this in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Some like hardcore Christians are always wondering, why doesn't God come and judge? Why doesn't God come and stop all the chaos and sin in our life? Because of this right here, God is patient. Eugene Peterson it says he, God is restraining himself. He, he's he's long-suffering. For why? For everyone to clue in that they need repentance and come to him. So he gives us grace. He gives us a journey for us to open up our hearts to say, eventually say yes to him.
Now, if this is true, this should give a little solace to some of the mothers that God is going before. God is intervening. God's grace is seeking. For a lot of times, it's hard for a mother to see their kids grow up and leave their, their home. Their kid gets out on their own, and the mother's like, I've always been there. I, I always protected, always watching. I was always uh, helping them, and now who's going to help them? Well, if God's grace is true, that's always going before, it's always seeking, intervening in every aspect of our life, then we can trust God to be watching our kids and loving our kids. And there are a lot of Christian parents that are kind of brokenhearted that, that they've seen their kids or their grandkids not not go along with the faith and traditions that they raised them in, that they've kind of turned their backs on God or chosen other ways where the good news is that God will never give up on your child, never give up on your grandchild, and is always seeking and drawing and calling them. Now, now here's the caveat here. There's one rule that God can never break, and that is the rule of love. God will never stop loving. And part of loving is giving every human the free agency to choose on their own. It is easier for God to move a mountains, literal mountains, than to break his rule to say, no, I will force you to love me. I will force you to follow me. That's not love. That's not God. God has given us moral agency to choose that we want to love God. So God's seeking grace can be working all around our grandkids and working around and calling and drawing. But every human has a choice to say yes to his calling or no, I got this on my own. No, thank you. But God will never give up on your children and your grandchildren. I love what theologian Albert Harper said, God is love, holy love. Grace is the moving of a holy, righteous God, intolerant of sin, but willing to bleed for its objects with a tender heart to save us. Oh, God's willing to bleed for us that we might wake up to his grace. And this seeking grace, a lot of times, works in mysterious ways. I'm not talking about mysteriously showing up in his face on a piece of toast or on your pizza, or sometimes you go to BuzzFeed and say, I saw Jesus' face in a banana, right? I'm not talking about non-mysterious ways, right? These sights of, uh, of God or Jesus. No, he goes in mysterious spiritual ways. I'm thinking about one of our missionaries, Awis Ali. Awis was a young boy growing up in one of the villages in the depths of Somalia. All he knew was Islam. His parents, his families was dedicated to Islam. And, and there he was. And well, he was tinkering around with a transition, transgender radio. And he ran into a radio station. And, and somebody was speaking his language, talking about this Jesus guy. And it's like, well, I've never heard of Jesus before. And they were saying that he was the Christ, that he was the son of God, the God of the world. And he's like, well, I thought Allah was. And he kept listening. He talked about this God is a loving God, a God that is full of grace, that so loved every human that he came to this world and he suffered on the cross. And if anyone by faith would believe in him, they would have eternal life. And all Awis knew was that Allah said, you better pray five times a day, and you better do this, and you better make sure that you're following the rules, or you won't make it to heaven. And he kept listening. 
One day he went out and told his parents, hey, I've been listening to this radio station about the Christ, this Jesus, the Son of God. And they hushed him up really quickly. And they condemned him for listening and, and even having a thought of Christianity. That's not how this works. That's not where our family, you better not be listening to that anymore. He couldn't help him. Something was seeking. Something was drawing. And the more he was secretly listening, the more he would believe that Jesus was the real God, the Son of God. And somewhere in his young life, he chose to believe and follow Jesus Christ as his Savior, not telling anyone. Eventually, some of his behaviors and habits clued them in, and there was uh, some oppression, and, and pretty soon he, he had to confess that he was a believer in this Jesus, that he's never been to a church, there was no Bible laying around, something just drew him and sought him, and he said yes pretty soon. They pushed him out of the family. They pushed him out of the village, and he was on his own. He said it took him seven years before he ever met a, another Christ follower. And for, for seven years, he was persecuted. Seven years, he wasn't sure. But he says that there would be dreams that would come in the night. Some visions of this Jesus, of this dreams that encouraged him and kept him going forward. Eventually, he would find some other Christians and solidify his, his Christianity. And now he's one of our missionaries and leaders in the East Africa with his wife, Lucretia. And by the way, they're going to be here this June on our grounds. A Friday night, we're going to have a little picnic with them to hear. But it's an amazing story of God's grace going before in mysterious ways. You know, I've also noticed that God's amazing grace, seeking grace, works through people. God can use us. I'm thinking about a real-life story of Angelina. Angelina uh, was very sad. Um, her, her family was breaking down. They had a couple of small kids. Their marriage was going nowhere, and, and uh, they tried everything. And eventually, the, her husband and herself um, separated. One day, the papers arrived that he was seeking a divorce. She was so defeated, so full of hopelessness that who would she be? Where would she go? These kids divorced, so sad. And so she started thinking about ending her life, thoughts of suicide. She shares that she called her mom one day and said, Mom, I was wondering if you could take the kids for a little bit. I'd like to just have some space and, and to be alone. Where her mother sensed that things were not going well, he says, no, no, daughter, let's, let's not do that. Why don't, you, why don't you get in the car and let's all go to the store? So Angelina said, well, okay. So they got to the shopping area, and the mom went inside with the kids, and Angelina said, can I just sit out on the, the bench in front of the store? I'll just sit, I'll sit here. I'll be, I'll be just fine. And the mother went in. <clears throat> so she's sitting there. She says, all of a sudden, this woman out of nowhere shows up and sits on the park bench next to me and asks me this question are you a Christian? And she said, well, I, I, I think I am. Well, if you're, if you're a Christian, a Christ follower, then you are more than a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror through him who loves through Jesus Christ. And the woman got up and, and walked away. And Angelina was like, what? I'm, I'm more than a conqueror? I, I guess that's somewhere in, in the Bible. Is that true? And for the next several minutes, she started thinking about, I, I I'm, I'm a conqueror. I'm, I'm more than a conqueror. I, 
I can do life. And, and she got more consumed with the fact and the belief that maybe she could be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loved her than suicidal thoughts. The, she went home the next day. She, she called her husband and said, can we, can we meet? I, I'd like to try one more time. And before you know it, they reconciled and they've been married ever since. Because some stranger went to her, God's amazing, mysterious grace, worked through this stranger to encourage her that she was more than a conqueror. That's how God works. God also works through nature. You might not believe this or not, but God puts his presence through nature. Someone said, nature is a reflection of the majesty of the creator. Nature is a reflection of the majesty of the creator. Have you ever noticed catching yourself looking at some of the most amazing, beautiful things out there in nature? Why is it that the, the mountain peaks, the, the tulips, the birds, the, the, the lakes, the ponds, the green grass capture us? Could it be that it's because God created that majesty to remind us of him and he can work through that nature? Could it be that if God created us to be spiritual beings, that only spiritual beings can connect that that was made by a creator and God speaks through nature. Do you think that a dog or a squirrel or a chimpanzee sits there and their, their breath is taken away by a waterfall or, or, or the, the sunset with mountains or the, the ocean, the blue? Do you think they're like, oh my goodness? God uses nature through his amazing seeking grace to get our attention. Some people have asked a hard question. What about people who have never ever heard of Jesus? What will happen when they pass through the second door? What about like Native Americans who were here before the Europeans were happening? They never heard about Jesus and they pass away. Where's their eternal life? What's going to go on with them? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us a little clue in Romans chapter 1 about this when he writes in verses 19 and 20, what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So the things that are made, <clears throat> God has shown himself that somehow God speaks, even I would submit to you, through nature. It's his seeking grace that wants to draw us, grab our attention, looking after us. Also, one of the most popular ways God uses his amazing grace in a seeking way is his church. His church are an extension of his grace. We, we are called his body. We are called his bride. And God has commissioned his people through local churches to be the instrument of his seeking amazing grace. Now, now folks, we don't always get this right. I, you know, God uh, asks infallible and perfect people to lead and pull it together and go forth. And sometimes we don't always get it right. But God wants the church to be a movement and an ecclesia to work together. And I believe Faithbrook and God's seeking grace a long time ago had a plan for us to be sitting on this corner because he knew eventually there would be people moving in, people seeking, people suffering. And in his seeking graces, I'm counting on you, Faithbrook, to help people lead them into a new and thriving life in Christ. Can you do that? 
I want you to be part of my journey of grace for people. Well, if this is true, then if God's grace is seeking and impacting every part of our life, then a lot of times it's going to be working in our life even though we don't realize it. We don't see it. Maybe we don't experience. But God is working. I remember a ha-ha moment in my life when I was, was reading a Bible teacher named Henry Blackaby. And Henry Blackaby uh, said this about God's amazing grace. Whether you see him at work is irrelevant to the fact of God's presence in our world. He is actively and intimately involved in both the affairs of this world, even a pandemic, even governments, and the details of your life. In other words, he says, God is always working around us, even though we don't sense it or see it. His seeking grace is intervening and working. And sometimes his, his seeking grace uh, shows up when we don't even expect it. All of a sudden, there's a change or something in our life that, that happens. We're like, wow, that must have been God. Maybe it was a miracle. Maybe it was a healing. Maybe it was an open door. Maybe it was a, a, a closed door. It kind of reminds me of a young mom or young parent, and they buy their little three-year-old a little tricycle, and they take it out to the driveway, and the little um, child gets on that tricycle, and they're, they're trying to pedal that tricycle and not tip over, and, and they're just trying to get some momentum on that tricycle. Well, the mom and dad are looking around the driveway. They notice that there's some obstacles, there's some toys or things laying around, and those parents will pull things away and intercede on behalf of that child so that child has a smooth first start on that tricycle. Now, that child will never know that their parents were moving things and looking after them. They were just consumed with trying to get that tricycle going, but that is the seeking amazing grace that goes before, working around, even though we never see it or notice it, God's love is working in our life. It also uses certain suffering. God can use sufferings and events to help open up our lives. I've noticed being in the, in the ministry several years that one of the most uh, common things God uses to wake people up is an event of death. We, we're just going through life, and all of a sudden there's a loved one that uh, passes through this second door. And so it, it forces us to ask ourselves, wow, are they still living? What's on the other side of, of death? And then it dawns on that person says, you know, one day I'm going to go through that door. What, 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 is, what will my life be on the other side of the door? What, where I even exist and, and, and what really counts in life? And anytime there's some major events in our life, it causes us to start seeking. It causes us to start questioning. And that's when God usually starts asking us questions and calling us closer to him. I appreciate the old song that says, sometimes you have to be knocked down to look up. Sometimes you have to be locked down. Our pride is, is we're full of ourselves and we're busy. And when those suffering hardships happen, we're like, oh God, what's really going on here? Maybe I do need you. I hear you now. I'm more awakened to your calling and your love for me. Finally, God seeking grace comes to where we are at comes to where we're at. It's personal. It's sure. It's loving. I like what actor, actress Jane Seymour said. A mother's intuition can tell you everything 
about your kids. Mothers have like a sixth sense. You're in tune with your children. You can even know if, she says, if they're calling for help. I was talking to a mother a couple weeks ago, asking about her child. And she said, well, I I know something is not right with my child. Well, how do you know that? Well, I just know. In fact, I'm going to take him to the doctor because I could tell he's not saying anything. He's not identifying anything, but I know he needs some help. We're going to take him to the doctor. My friends, that's like God. God knows when we are in help need help. God knows when we're off, and God's seeking grace is going to go where we're at to get our attention. The psalmist said, I love the Lord, for he heard my cry for mercy, because he turned his ear towards me. God hears your cry. Wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, maybe you've been far from God, maybe you're going through a tough time, but he knows, like a mother, something isn't right And he stands close to you, calling out to awaken you to his love, his grace, and a new life in him. Paul was was sharing to the church of Ephesus in chapter 2. For he, he said this to them, For you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. In other words, he says, you're kind of like a walking dead. So many people are walking dead. Man, they're walking, they're functioning, they're smiling, they got some good things in their life, but in their soul, in their spirit, they're dead. They're they're empty. They're, They're just alone without God infusing his love and his light in their life. But because of God's seeking grace, God's grace that is always going before, God's grace is always impacting our life, and rich in mercy, we can be made alive in Christ. It reminds me of the fairy tale of the sleeping beauty. This beautiful young lady had so much potential, beautiful uh, life, but she ran into a wicked witch who was very jealous of her and put her into a spell that and all her beauty should just be laying there in a deep sleep. There was only one way that she could be revived. Only one person, and that would be the prince, who could get to her and kiss her to bring her alive. And the prince sought her and went to her, but he had to run into the wicked witch who manifested herself into a dragon. And there would be a great battle, and he'd have to defeat the dragon eventually. You, you know the, the, the pictures. You know the story that he eventually get to the beautiful young lady and kiss her. And because of his love and his willingness to fight for her, she came alive. My friends, it's a story of Christ. For he would battle the cross for us. He would pay the price for our sins and go through the incredible, horrific suffering for our sins. Why? Because God so loved the world that he was willing to give his only son, that if anyone would say yes and believe in him and receive him, they would have everlasting life. He is the prince of peace that seeks us and comes toward us. Our job, our, our, our choice is to say yes to his seeking grace, 
to hear him calling like a weese who heard the voice of Christ through that radio and through those dreams. And Sean, who heard that voice through, through a local church in the spirit of God touching his life. And Angelina, through some mystery person that challenged her to say, you are more than conquerors. All this is, is evidence of God seeking grace from the moment we are, we are born, starts hovering and calling us and teaching us to come to that age of accountability. And if we do not choose Christ or we fall away from Christ, I don't care how old you are and all the way to your deathbed, you might be in your 90s or 100s, God's seeking grace never quits. It will always come after us. Because see, you are never too far from God's seeking grace. A grace that can impact your life. We're going to close this morning with a song that really identifies this seeking amazing grace of Christ. We sing it periodically here at Faithbrook. It's called Reckless Love, written by Corey Asbury. The verses go like this. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. You have been so kind to me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Mr. Asbury was writing about God-seeking, amazing grace that impacts our life. Why don't you stand and let's celebrate this and receive his amazing grace. Gracious God, we thank you today that while we were not even paying attention, you were seeking and watching and believing in us. If from the day we were born, God, you always were watching, you always were calling, you always had a plan for our life. We thank you for that. We worship you. Father, we think of the many people have just kind of wandered off from you. What's so amazing, God, is you do not reject. You do not give up. You do not move on. But you are still seeking and drawing people towards you, no matter where they're at. And I know there are mothers and grandmothers here, parents that are hurting for their children. Maybe they just kind of given up on you. But God, we can be reassured, God, that you're doing everything possible, trying to hint to them, bring them signs, call them, nurture them, even raising up churches, God, to just remind them that you died on the cross for them and you want to have eternal life with them. Would you go before them one more time, God, to call them towards you? Now bless these good people, these mothers today as we go forth. Help us to be looking for your seeking graces always working around us. We pray these things in your name. Amen.